Any other announcements, Chris? Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, so in the kitchen, there's just a box of books. We were just kind of trying to uh, thin out our, our bookcase. We're going to make some changes at home, move some things around. So we thought we'd get, so we actually had a lot of duplicates and then some books uh, we haven't read in a while. And, and so um, they're back in the, in the kitchen there. Help yourself to those. Um, and, uh, but you only can take it if you plan on reading it, right? So, <laughs> so they're all back there, and, and uh, we'll try to remind you again before the end of the service um, uh, that they're back there as well. Uh, and so, um, uh, of course, today is July the 4th, and, and uh, anyone read the, the, the Declaration of Independence before? Uh, you don't encourage you. I mean, it's not, I know it's not the Bible, but um, um, you should read the Declaration of Independence sometime because it only takes about 10 minutes to read the whole thing. And, um, um, you know, I'm always amazed at how well people could write things like that back then. You know, these people were really smart that did that. Uh, and, of course, you go through the whole thing. We're not going to read the, direct, direct, the Declaration of Independence here today. Um, but if you go through it, you know, it talks about God. And, you know, the, in fact, uh, um, the, it's uh, the, one of the famous lines says that we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness. Uh, and, and, you know, the whole, the whole declaration is just uh, acknowledging that God is the creator uh, and that he's the one who established the freedom of mankind on the earth and that governments are here really to protect the freedoms of the people, not to lord it over them and to extract uh, money and different things from them. And then it goes through a whole bunch of things about here's why we're doing this and all the things that the king had done that, uh, uh, that, that uh, compelled them to declare their independence from, uh, from the king, uh, king um, uh, who was it, King James was the king at the time uh, uh, in England. And, um, of course, right after that, then they, they uh, declared war in the United States. Uh, well, we weren't the United States then, but they declared war on America. And, uh, and then that was the Revolutionary War, and then we became a country uh, officially, I guess, in 1787, something like that. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, the, the thing that I appreciate about that, uh, you know, the, we're obviously not a perfect country, and there are no perfect countries. The only perfect country is heaven. Um, uh, but, you know, if you go through a lot, of the, a lot of the documentation that people had written at that point in time as they were working towards the Constitution of, of the United States, you see that the desire is to allow the Lord to operate in the earth and that um, uh, the desire was that the Lord would be glorified and that men would be free to worship the Lord as they choose. Uh, and, of course, you know, in some areas, I think we've gotten along uh, 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 far away from that. Uh, but it's still, you know, the Lord, uh, it's really hard when men get together that they don't do everything for their own benefit, that they don't set everything up. I mean, you know, all tyrants, uh, every single tyrant that's ever been uh, on the earth has established everything for their benefit. Uh, and, um, uh, and, you know, there's a big push in our country, well, we want socialism. And, you know, they don't really want socialism because every time the socialism has been tried, all the power and money goes into the three people that are running it, and everybody else is poor, and, and they're only to serve the three people in power. It's been that way every time communism has tried, been that way every time socialism has tried, because men are just incapable of handling that much authority, that much power, right? Uh, and so, and that's why the Constitution is so brilliant, because everything was intentionally made to be a, a conflict between the three branches of the government so that there can be no tyranny, even though we still seem to come along and try it 
uh, to the best of our ability even now. Uh, and so um, it just uh, really the, the, the documents there are acknowledging that men are flawed and that men by themselves will never be able to uh, fulfill God's plan in the earth because uh, when, when given the opportunity of either uh, advancing my own benefits or advancing the benefits of people, we'll always pick ourselves. Uh, and that's just a, the human nature, the sin nature that resides in us. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, in the whole Declaration of Independence, you know, we were, de- we were declaring that, uh, that we as a country are now free from the tyranny of the king. Uh, and, you know, it's really just a reflection of what the Lord Jesus had done. And one of my favorite verses is uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Uh, in the New American Standard Version says that it was for freedom's sake that Christ set us free. Uh, and the Lord has always desired for his people to be free, uh, for all people to be free in, in the whole world. And, of course, there are billions of people that are not free at all to exercise their free will. And even in our country, you know, as, uh, as we continue along the path of government, the government's always trying to constrain our freedom because a, a free people is free to worship the Lord. Uh, and the spirits behind that hate the freedom that men exercise because uh, they're always wanting to be in charge of men. And yet God made us uh, in his image and likeness. Amen. And we are children of the Most High God. And the devil's always trying to lord it over people and to control people. And that spirit is always, is always in every government, no matter how good the government is, that spirit of controlling is always there. Uh, and, you know, we can see that, you know, you, know, you can have all, the, all your conspiracy theories about, uh, the, uh, um, uh, about the COVID-19, but the spirit of control was, was there all in, in that. Uh, and, you know, you've got to be careful about those things uh, because um, uh, the, the spirits behind um, a lot of these things that go on in the world are there only to control people. Uh, and the Lord has always desired us to be free people. Uh, and, and it's not just in the, the political realm, uh, because that's really the secondary area, maybe not even secondary, it's probably third, fourth, fifth, tenth area in our lives. But the primary area that the Lord wants us to be free of is in our hearts and minds and our spirits. Uh, and we should be free to serve God. Uh, and people say, well, you know, you're not free, you're, you're in church, you're not free. Uh, the, the further you go with the Lord, the more free you are. You're free to serve the Lord. You're free to do what he wants you to do. Uh, it's always your choice. Uh, and sin will drive you, right? Sin will drive you and demand that you do things. Uh, the world will drive you. Uh, the governments will drive you, try to demand certain things from you. But the Lord always desires for his people to be free. Uh, and free from, you know, if you look at people's lives, so many times people's lives are controlled by their emotions or controlled by their thoughts or controlled by their past. And all of those things are there to control you, to keep you in bondage, to keep you under uh, the control of something else. And, you know, just just like with the men who declared, uh, you know, the very first line of the Declaration of Independence is when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth a separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and laws of God entitle them. Uh, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that we should declare the cause that impelled them to the separation. But when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve, you know, uh, and, you know, that's really just a biblical, uh, a, 
a, a biblical type of statement because uh, in in the course of your human events, you need to declare your independence and say, I dissolve the bands, not the political bands, but the bands that have held me in bondage of my thought life or in my past or in the sin nature that's in my flesh. You need to declare that you're free from these things because that's what Jesus said in Galatians uh, 5, 1, that he desires us to be free. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and we're not trying to make this a political rally at all uh, because whatever these writers of the, Declar- uh, the, the Declaration of Independence wrote, they got their concepts from the Word of God. They got the concept of freedom from the Word of God. So they weren't establishing doctrine. They were just repeating doctrine. And the Lord has always desired that we be free. Uh, and, you know, you, you should desire to be free. You should never be satisfied with, well, that's just the way that I am and I you know, can't overcome my past or I can't overcome my thought life or I can't overcome what's been done to me. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I hear so many people, uh, I was talking with a, a minister the other day, they said there are some problems in their family and that one of the brothers in the family uh, had been abused as a child and, and has carried it with him all of his adult life. Uh, even now, you know, as an adult life, he's got multiple degrees and all kinds of things. And yet that past controls him. And, and he, need to, he needs to declare his independence, his freedom from that past. Uh, because, because it's available. And people say, I just don't know how to overcome. Well, it, it's not, you don't have to play mind games and, and psycho- psychological games. You just declare your freedom. It was for freedom uh, that, that Christ has made me free. Amen. Uh, and so you have a right to be free. Uh, you have a right to be free just at peace, sitting at home and just be at peace. You don't have to be uh, consumed with thoughts and consumed with your past, consumed with, with uh, anguish and despair. Uh, you have a right to be free because all those things are uh, motivated by the enemy of mankind. Uh, if you're in the depths of despair or in the depths of, of overwhelming thoughts and emotions, those are just ways that the enemy is trying to control you and to put you into bondage. Well, you have a right to declare, no, I'm free in the name of Jesus. I'm free uh, from my past. I'm free to think whatever I want to think. You know, psychology tells you you can't do that. Psychology tells you you can't be free from your emotions. You can't be free from your thought life. Uh, but that's not what the Word of God says. And, and that may be their level of understanding about how men operate. But we have greater understanding. We have an understanding that the Lord empowers us to be free, that the, our spirits are strong enough to declare our freedom. Uh, and when you get to a point when your spirit man is, is in full control of your life and, and that your emotions and your thoughts are secondary to your spirit man, it becomes easy. And, and the difficulty is when we don't understand that we, and, and our thoughts become the master of our lives or our emotions become the master of our lives. And we're, we're slaves and in bondage to uh, our thought life or our emotions or our past or the events that have occurred against us or what people have done to us. Uh, we have a right to be free from all of those things. Jesus paid a great price to pay for that freedom and to provide you the authority and the power to obtain that freedom. You know, uh, we had, they declared their freedom from, from Great Britain, but then Great Britain declared war. And, you know, there were many years, and that, that war lasted many years, there were many times when we didn't know if we would win or not uh, because we didn't know if we had the power and the energy and the, the might to overcome the greatest Army, the greatest standing army in the world at that t- point in time. Uh, but, uh, and, and they were willing to do it, not knowing the end of it. Uh, but you have uh, the power right now. Uh, you have the right and the ability to be totally free. So many times all that's lacking is the will. Uh, 
to do it is the will to declare your freedom. You know that they they uh, put and and at the end of this document, I don't I don't know what the quantity is, but at the end of this document, they signed their name. You know that basically says uh, uh, Great Britain said thank you for letting us know who you are. Uh, we'll be at your doorstep tomorrow morning. You know with rifles and and uh, ropes to hang you. Uh, you know all, they basically signed their death sentence. Uh, because they were unafraid. Uh, but, you know, how much more do you have a right to be free in your whole life? Uh, how much more, uh, you know, they, they paid with their own blood to obtain freedom, but Jesus paid with his blood to obtain your freedom. And how much more precious is his blood than all the blood in, in all the world that's ever been shed? Um, and so, uh, but until you declare your independence, until you do that, until you declare that I'm free from everything, I'm free from past and abuses and thoughts and um, you know you can people say you can't do it you can't you 100 percent can if the bible says you can 100 percent uh, that you can't uh, and you know i'm thinking about things that i've experienced in my own life and although i have knowledge of them none of them control me you know i don't i don't forget you know people say well you've compartmentalized or some psychological game like that i haven't compartmentalized anything i just that happened and, but it doesn't define who i am the Lord Jesus defines who I am. The Word of God defines who I am. Uh, if he declares that I'm free, then praise God I'm free. That thing does not control my life. Amen. That past does not control my life. That event does not control my life. Uh, that person does not control my life. The Lord Jesus controls my life. I'm free to allow him to be Lord of my life. And so uh, I just, you know, uh, I've always been kind of a fan, uh, you know, uh, of how we became a country and, and the effort that we did and, and the desire that, uh, we want to be a reflection of God in the earth. Uh, and that's always a good, when you hear a lot of the, you know, there's a lot of turmoil going on in the earth today, even in our country. You've got different groups, you know, that are declaring, you know, uh, that they're going to throw off the bands of oppression. But if you look at what they're trying to do, all they want to do is be in charge. They don't want to declare freedom for everybody. They want to declare freedom for themselves and put everybody else under them. Uh, you know, you just follow what they want. Follow the money, follow what they want. And a lot of these people, you know, that say, hey, we want freedom. And they go out, the first thing they do is go buy a million-dollar house. Well, that's not trying to help anybody except for yourself, right? If all these men declared directly, uh, the, wrote the Declaration of Independence and immediately went and bought the biggest farms and used all the money that they got from uh, uh, trying to uh, declare freedom against Great Britain, if they all they did is go out and buy bigger farms, you know, we'd be concerned about that. But they didn't. They spent their money uh, on uh, uh, advancing the freedom of the whole country. And so... You know, it's, uh, uh, it should be obvious, uh, and it really is obvious to anybody who cares to look. Um, you know, everybody should be free. Amen? Uh, we should all have the freedom to declare uh, that we choose to serve God. Uh, and, um, uh, and that's what Jesus paid a great price to, to uh, provide for us. Amen? So I just encourage you in your own life, if there's anything that just controls you, you know, whether it's your emotions or your past or your thoughts, you know, I'd get up every day and say, I'm free. Jesus said that it was for freedom's sake that Christ set me free. Uh, and I choose to be free. Uh, and I would declare my independence. I would declare my freedom uh, every day until, until your thought life then becomes subject to your spirit man or your emotions become subject to your spirit man or your past becomes subject to your spirit man. And when you get to that point, then you'll be totally free. Uh, and, you know, you can say, well, yeah, that happened to me, but it you know, be a big deal, right? Uh, and so... Praise God. So are we free? Uh, we are free. Amen. Who paid the price for our freedom? The Lord Jesus did. So it was a great price. So you know it had to work, right? 
All we have to do is do, is do our part to declare our freedom. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. Why don't we stand and greet each other for just a minute and then we'll get into praise and worship. It's precious, Father. You're our master, our savior, Father. Father, everything in this world will pass away. The kingdoms that we see, the kings that run the kingdoms. Father, but your name will remain. We thank you for the name of Jesus. That great name, Father. That's above every name. That's above the name of depression, cancer, sickness and disease. Father, it's a great name. We thank you, Father, that you've given us that name. It's precious, Father. Thank you for the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for that name of Jesus. And Father, we give you all praise and honor, and glory and might and dominion for that name. And Father, we choose to yield to that name each and every day. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, is the Lord good? Is His name powerful? It is. Amen. There's no king or kingdom. There's no rich person. No poor person, in fact, you know, can overcome the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, sometimes in our wisdom, uh, or what we think is our wisdom, we think that we know more than God. You know, back around the, the turn of the 1900s, someone wrote in one of the papers or magazines said that everything that can be known is now known. You know, because they had steam engines and they were making all this industrial revolution and making these amazing machines and, you know, doing amazing things like that. Uh, and that was before the airplane was invented. The rocket was invented, before we went to the moon, before we made computers. But you know, those people today think everything that can be known is now known. Well, just go ask them how gravity works. You know, they, have no, they, they can measure it, they can calculate it, but where it comes from, they have no idea. You know, and um, I, I was doing some studying one time about some things, and they, they said, well, there's this, there's this number, it's called the gravitational constant. It's a big number. You know, they're using all these formulas and equations to figure out how to go around the Earth and how to go to the moon and go to Mars, and they've got this number, it's called the gravitational constants and all these formulas and nobody has any idea why it's that number you know why isn't it three why isn't it four it's that number it has to be that number but why that number is we nobody knows now then the lord knows uh but you know we uh, uh anytime you say that all, all that can be known is known uh you've already failed amen and sometimes people act that way about the bible everything that can be known about all we know everything there's know about the bible i mean I, i've read the same verse so many different times and, and still get information out of it um, you know, we'll never exhaust all that can be known about the Word of God. Amen? Uh, and that's one reason, you know, I do like reading other people's writings about the Word of God because the Lord gave them revelation. Things that are of value to us today to know. And you should never forsake the past uh, for your future. You never should say, well, all those people, you know, they didn't know anything. You know, we know more than they know. Uh, and uh, that's highly unlikely, but... Um, uh, you know, never, never have that attitude that, you, that, uh, that you're so smart. Because number one, there's always somebody smarter than you somewhere else. Uh, and, and, you know, whatever you can do, somebody can do that thing better somewhere. Uh, and so 
don't ever get the big head about things that the Lord has given to you or things that you know. Um, you know, the, uh, especially when it comes to natural information. You know, sometimes people act like they're all, all that because they know something that you don't know. Uh, and I remember I was helping this older gentleman uh, work on some logs or trees or something, and we had to hook a chain up. And, uh, you know, and the chain's got those big hooks sometimes. And, and I started, and this was many years ago, I tried to hook that chain up in, inside the, one of the chain links. Then he got so mad at me, you know, that's not, you know, and just, you know, don't you know anything? That's not how you do it. You know, you're supposed to put it this way, right? And I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm sure when the doctor smacked your backside when you came out of the womb that you didn't know that. Somewhere along the way, you learned how to do that. Uh, you, didn't, you weren't born with that knowledge. Nobody was born with that knowledge. Some, somewhere you learned that knowledge. So why would you lord it over somebody because they don't know that knowledge? You know, why would you act like somehow you're, you're a better person and worth more, more valuable as a person because you know how to connect a chain to a, to a, you know, on a hook? Uh, why, why would you think that? You know? Why wouldn't you have grace and say, you know, let's do it this, do it this way. It's better for this reason. That's what a person of grace would do, right? They would still help somebody still, because if you, if you put it the wrong way, you can't get in a bind. You may never get the thing apart again, right? You may have to take a stick of dynamite. But, uh, and so, but uh, you know, I always remind myself I wasn't born with that knowledge. Even if I know something that somebody else doesn't know, I wasn't born with that knowledge. Somewhere along the way, I learned it. Some, somewhere along the way, somebody taught me that knowledge. Uh, and so, um, and even if they didn't teach that specific thing, somebody taught me how to read. Somebody taught me how to write. Somebody, so, you know, you should never take um, the things that you know and act like you're, you're more valuable as a human being because you know those things. Amen. Uh, my goal in life is to pass on everything that I know to everybody around me. Uh, and uh, because uh, that's the only reason why I'm here is to invest my life in other people's lives. Amen. Uh, and so we have been talking about overcoming. And, you know, the Lord wants you to overcome. The Lord wants you to whatever is in front of you. Whatever obstacles in front of you, the Lord desires for you to overcome. He, he does not desire any of his children to stay under any oppression or any difficulties. Uh, you know, Jesus said that his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So if there are any yokes that are not easy, anything that's controlling you, or any burdens that are too much for you, uh, the Lord wants those things to be removed from you by the overcoming power of the name of Jesus so that you can live a life in him, that's easy, right? As far as his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now, you know, when he said that, he was instructing us, letting us know that he still has things for us to do, right? Things, that the, the uh, burdens are responsibilities, right? So it's not weights like you can't overcome. It's just things that you've got to do in this life, whatever they are. Each of us is called to run the race that God has set before us. <clears throat> and to run that race is not burdensome. Some people think the life of Christianity is burdensome. You know, it's always, oh, you know, got to stop doing all these things. And, uh, well, you know, you see that in the wrong light. Because if there's something in your life that you have to do, then that thing is what controls you. You know, well, I have to do, you know, I have to watch my, you know, watch my sports team, whatever it is. You know, I can't miss a sports. Well, then that thing controls you. And if it controls you, then you don't have any freedom. You're, you're a slave to that thing, whatever that thing is, right? Uh, and some people say, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing this. Well, then stop doing that. Well, I can't stop doing it. Well, then that thing controls you. If that thing controls you, then, then you're not free. Yeah. Amen. See, I'm free to do whatever I want to. And I choose not to do those things. That means I have freedom. <clears throat> I have freedom to choose not to do it. Uh, and so that's what Jesus said in our foundation scripture. He's here in John 16, 17. 
or, uh, John 16, 33, uh, he says, These things I have spoken unto you that you might have peace, that in me you might have peace. So there's no peace outside of the Lord Jesus. People act like they're in peace. They have no peace because they fret. You know, all these people that are, that are worldly outside the church, you know, they act like they have peace. You know, I'm in charge of my life. But they're, they're those little children. When they get home, they wring their hands. They're afraid of every little thing that comes along. They don't know how to deal with the uh, situations of life. They need counseling or they need therapy or they need all these things. And I'm not opposed to any of those things if it's, if it's an assistance to you. Uh, but they act like they're, they're, uh, that they have peace. But they don't have true peace. They're not peaceful on the inside. Amen. Uh, and Jesus said, in me, in me, so the only place you're going to have peace is in Jesus. The only place you'll ever have peace is when you are consumed entirely by the Lord Jesus. Uh, and when you, when you are consumed entirely by the Lord Jesus, you can live at peace all the days of your life. Amen. Uh, he said, in the world you shall have tribulation, but of good cheer I have overcome the world. So if Jesus has overcome the world, what does he desire for us? That we also overcome the world. Amen. So what's in the world? Well, basically everything that you've experienced in your life, right? That's in the world. Uh, and the Lord desires for you to live above all of those things. Amen. Uh, he wants you to live a life where you're not in bondage to anything. Thoughts or, or chemicals or, or liquids, you know, whatever they are, right? Um, uh, the images, uh, you know, people are controlled by a lot of things. And uh, in this world, there's a lot of things that are competing for your attention and competing for your freedom. And they want, to, they want to constrict you in your freedom. They want to control your life. Uh, and uh, that's, that's everywhere, right? In all of society, you know, society keeps saying, well, we want to be more free. You know, we don't have all these constraints that the church wants to put on us. But it's a lie. It's always a lie because they say it's freedom, but it's bondage because it controls your life. You can't stop doing it. And if you can't stop doing it, then you're in bondage. You know, whatever it is, you know, whether it's eating or, or thinking or or watching or listening or drinking or smoking or whatever it is, you know, they keep wanting to, to lower the bar. We, you know, we should allow people to, you know, do drugs. Uh, why? Because if they're doing drugs, they're under control of those drugs and they can control their life, right? They, they, and it's all about control. There's spirits that want to control humanity because they hate the freedom that humanity has. Because we're made in the image and likeness of God. In the image and likeness of God, we're completely and totally free. Uh, and the world hates that. The spirits behind the world hates that. Uh, and so what better way to control people is, is allow them to, well, it's just recreational drugs. You know, I don't want anything that controls my mind. Because if you t do even, you know, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about it, but, you know, well, you know marijuana. So, well, it doesn't really, it's not really addicting like everything. But when you're under the influence of marijuana, then your mind is not clear. Uh, you, you have a cloudy mind. And yeah, you no longer feel the problems of this world, but you've not overcome them. They're still there. You just, you're just too uh, fuzzy in your brain to see them. Uh, and, you know, one of the biggest chemicals in the world that people have access to is alcohol. People drink alcohol because they don't want to feel their problems. You know, I just need to take the edge off my life. Well, well what's wrong with having an edge? I like the edge of my life. You know, I don't want it dulled. Uh, they want to take that dull, that they want to dull their senses. It's because they've not overcome. See, when you overcome, you can say, well, yeah, that's a thing, but it doesn't control my life. That's a thing, but it doesn't control my life. This happened, but that doesn't control my life. That thought came to my, my life, but it doesn't control me. I choose not to think that thought. Uh, and, and so instead of learning how to overcome those things, we mask them by, by burying them in alcohol or burying them in drugs or burying them in images or uh, whatever it is. We just, but they're still there. You've not overcome anything. You just 
have hidden uh, in your mind what's going on in your life. Uh, and I don't want to live that way. I want to be totally clear-minded in, in, in my thought life. I want to be totally clear-minded so that I can look at it and go, yeah, that's obviously of the devil. I'm not doing that. That's obviously a, a, of God. I'm doing that. Uh, because every time I do something from God, there's blessings and increase in my life. Every time I do something of the devil, there's only death and destruction in my life. Uh, and so uh, the Lord desires for you to overcome. Amen. He desires for you to be free. Uh, more free than you'll ever know, really, because in this life we still have the, the annoyance of the sin nature. And that will remain with us until we get a glorified body. Uh, but in that, we can still be totally free. Amen. Uh, Paul said, I put my body under. Uh, and so that means he has the ability to do it. Well, you just can't deny yourself. You're not denying yourself. You're denying what your flesh wants to do. You're allowing yourself, which is your spirit man, to do what it wants to do. Uh, and, you know, really in your life, you've always got two choices to do what your spirit man wants to do, which always leads to life or what your flesh wants to do, which always leads to death. Now, you think in the world, they say freedom is to do what your flesh wants to do. But God says freedom is to do what your spirit man says to do because that always leads to the blessings of God. The, the freedom of the flesh never leads to the blessings of God. You will leave God. You will leave the church. You will leave his spirit. Uh, you will leave everything about God if you follow the flesh to its ultimate end, which is to be far from God. Uh, that's, how is that overcoming? That means that some, something else is controlling your life because you are a spirit. You will always be a spirit. You will never not be a spirit. And if you allow your flesh, now you have something that's controlling your spirit. And, and see, so you need to have your spirit man, which is the only thing controlling your life. That's total freedom. That's perfect freedom. If there's anything else in your life, whether it's your thoughts or your past or your flesh or the sin that's in your life, then that's controlling your life. And, and you know, there, there needs to be some gumption that comes back in our lives. Well, I don't want anything controlling my life. I don't like something else controlling my life. Sometimes we like the feeling of our flesh controlling our life and we enjoy, the Bible says that there is, uh, there is pleasure in sin for a season. Sometimes we like fleshing out for a while. Uh, but then our spirit man, you know, is grieved and we can sense that. And that's why the, the, those thoughts are there because that conflict is there. Our, our spirit man always desires to be free and we always long to be free. And as long as anything else is in control of our lives, then that spirit will... will uh, will yearn to be against that thing. Uh, uh, Paul talked about that in the book of Galatians. He said that there, there's a war that's between your spirit and the spirit of God or between uh, your flesh and the spirit of God. Uh, and he said they're contrary one to, one to the other to keep you from doing what you would. Uh, and so the desire of the spirit of mankind is always to do the, what the God wants us to do. That, that, that was designed by us because the, the spirit of man knows what freedom is, which is to follow God. Uh, even if he can't articulate it, he still knows because that's how he was created to be free. Uh, and so, so the Lord Jesus then here in the book of Revelation, he's going through the seven churches and he's really instructing them how to become free. He's instructing them how to uh, overcome everything in their life and to be completely free in their life. Uh, and he shows compassion. He shows patience. Uh, he shows kindness towards them. Even though he, you know, he's, very, he's very forthright in what he says about them, but uh, he still desires for them to get out of it. Amen? None of them said, well, you know, you low down, dirty dog, you're no count, look at you. You know, get out of my face. Uh, he doesn't do, do that at all. He says, you're doing these things here to become free. And so we got down to the church at Sardis here, uh, and uh, he, he starts out in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 1. He says, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, 
These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. So we've talked quite a bit about this particular church, right? This church uh, had a, it was important for them to have a reputation. Uh, That that reputation, whatever that reputation was, Jesus said, that is not of me. That is, there's no life in that reputation. Uh, And uh, and then he goes on and and tells them how to overcome, gives them uh, several instructions to overcome. uh, And he spends more time, I think, in this particular church than nearly any other church that he talks to about how to overcome. Uh, And one of the most difficult things you will ever find in your life to overcome is if you have developed your life to be somebody, to have the appearance of being somebody that you're really not, that you, that you have the appearance that you're, you know, super cool and chill, you know, in public, but at home you're fretful and scared. And, uh, and, and uh, uh, I think Brother Randy repeated that phrase that I think Pastor Sonny said. He said, if you're scared, just, just say you're scared. Uh, and so I don't know what that really means, but, <laughs> uh, but, you know, sometimes people have a reputation that they're not afraid, but they are afraid. Uh, some people have a reputation they're, you know, they're, they're one way, but they're, but they're not that way. And some churches want to have a reputation that, you know, well, we want to look like this, even though that's not the reality of God. And, and you know, some churches, uh, you know, around here, we like to lay hands on the sick. We like to pray, you know, uh, in tongues. We like to, you know, allow God to work in miracles and signs and wonders. And some churches don't want, they don't want that reputation. And so they'll have the appearance of being something. But Jesus said, when you do that, you have the appearance of being one way. He said, but actually you're dead. You have the appearance of being alive, but actually you're dead. And so if we want to have a cool and hip church, you know, we can start doing things, have disco balls and fog lights and have the appearance of being cool and hip. But there's no life of God in that, so we're really dead. Uh, and, and that's what Jesus was saying, that if you, if you have a reputation, if your goal is to have a reputation to be something, you know, just like, uh, you know, sometimes when, when you go through education, you want to have the appearance of being educated, that, you're, that you sound smart. Uh, and so you, you, you like to use $64 words. Uh, and I remember there, were, there was one minister we'd have come uh, about once a year that was with my pastor. And he loved $64 words. You remember that fellow, Jerry? He loved $64 words. He was retired from, uh, I don't know if he was retired, but he left the, uh, the corporate world, went into the ministry. And that's fine. You know, nothing wrong with that. Uh, but he loved the $64 words. And the pastor would go to my pastor would go to him and say, look, you're saying these $64 words. And a lot of our people are not educated. They don't understand what you're saying. You're using these words. They don't understand the words that you're saying. So could you not use those words? Could you use words that everybody understands? And which is really the example of Jesus. You know, you think Jesus was smart? I think he was pretty smart, right? Uh, You know, basically smarter than every other human being that's ever been alive all combined. Right. And yet you read his his words and his words are written in common language. You know, at first they, they, they didn't even think that the, the, the scriptures that they were written in the New Testament were even accurate because all the other language or the writings of Greek at that time were, were uh, you know, the, the, uh, the university Greek, you know, the, the highfalutin Greek. But the, the Bible was written in the common Greek, you know, the street language. Basically, it wasn't vulgar, but it was, it was uh, just the language of the people that people understood. And that's how Jesus spoke. Now, Jesus could have gone through in, 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 in great detail of the Hebrew definitions and, and parse out all the Hebrew verbs and all these things and, and do a, 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 a college-level instruction to the people, but he didn't do that. Now, he could have, it if it was necessary, he could have done that, but it was an important for him to have a reputation. Uh, and, and so 
having reputation apparently from, from this, the effort that Jesus spent talking to them about how to overcome uh, this reputation must be a hard thing to overcome. Uh, you know, when you've built up your whole persona, uh, this, this appearance that you're some way, and you're really not that way, uh, then um, it's hard to overcome that. It's hard to change that. It's hard to quit faking it. It's hard to, because you're afraid. You're afraid that people are going to look at you and go, wow, you know, I thought they were this way, but I guess they're really not. And they may not like you anymore because of that. Uh, and it's the same thing. That, that mindset gets into a church. He had to go to this church and say, look, you've got this reputation, but, uh, but there's no life in your church. Uh, and, and, you know, it, uh, just it's like one person told me, you know, they've got a lot of uh, youth going to their church and they do all kinds of crazy things that, you know, uh, mo- most people would consider carnal. And they said, well, you can't, you can't argue with success. We'll tell that to the church at Sardis. They were successful. And Jesus said, yeah, you, you're successful, but there's no life in your church. No life in you. Uh, you're faking it. Uh, you know, anytime that we, we, we want to have the appearance of being one way and we're, and we're not that way, that's, you know, that, that's very, that really the very definition of hypocrisy. So we've got to always make sure to be sincere in our faith, right? Whatever we are, we want to be that way everywhere, right? One of the, the hardest things in a, uh, for the Christian church to do is to be the same way on Monday morning than they are on Sunday morning. It's easy on Sunday morning to be happy, smile. Oh, you're so, you, you look so nice. And you go and chew out the person at the, at the grocery store because, you know, uh, they, they rang your order up wrong or something, you know. Be unkind at the restaurant. You know, I'm always watching how people treat people at restaurants. You know, are they kind to the, to the people, to the wait staff, you know. Or are they rude and, and, uh, di- and disrespectful to them. So, uh, you know, and just real quick, you know, over in, we're going to come back to Revelation chapter 3, but just uh, over in uh, Philippians chapter 2, you know, Jesus, uh, he, I mean, he's the son of God, right? In fact, he is God, right? Uh, and so uh, you think if anybody had a right to a reputation, that Jesus would have uh, the right to a reputation because he was literally God and he owned it, right? Uh, but he said here in, Galatians, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, he said, let this mind be in you, which also, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. You know, anytime that people think that they're too good to do something, they should rem- remember what Jesus did. Jesus had to leave heaven, the glory of heaven, and come down and be born of a, of a woman, right? Be born as a child, uh, live a life as a baby, right? He was a baby, then he was a toddler, then he was a you know, young person, then he was a teen. Uh, but uh, until he was 30 years old, he wasn't even in the ministry. Uh, but he chose to do that. And, you know, some people, they think that that's something that's beneath them. Well, I don't do that. You know, I don't do that, you know. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, it's always good for your, own, for your own self to see, is there anything that you're too good to do? Now, there may be things you don't like to do, right? Well, it's just fine, right? I mean, I don't like taking out the cat litter, but, you know, sometimes you do that. You know, sometimes you've got cats, you've got to do that, right? Um, you know, you may not like doing it, but, you know, that's part of it, right? Well, that's beneath me. Well, then, you know, don't do it and see what happens, right, for about a week or so. And then you'll be motivated after about a week to do that, amen? Uh, and, and, you know, uh, one time uh, we were talking about the church, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I, said, I said, you know, if you're not doing anything in church, you ought to try to find something to do in the church if there's something to be done, Right? And so one person came up and said, well, you know, 
Uh, Pastor, I, I'll be glad to do anywhere, anything you need to, to be done in the church, I'll be glad to do it. Man, that's great. You know, we've got some baseboards that have not been cleaned in a while. You know, if you could clean those, you know, that'd be awesome. Well, not that. You know, you know it's like, well, were you too good to clean the baseboards? I mean, you know, I'd clean them, but, uh, you know, I haven't had time to get to, to do that. Uh, and so, uh, because the reputation, well, well, if I do that, I'll look like, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a, a, a cleaning person, you know. I don't want that. You know, I don't want anybody to think that I'm a cleaning person, right? Uh, and uh, Jesus said, it, it says he made himself a, a rep, what reputation? No, no reputation. He had no reputation. That means, see, when you get to a point where you have no reputation, then you're useful to God. When you've got a reputation, you go, well, Lord, I'd be glad to do anything that you want me to do as long as it's that right over there, but not this over here. You know, uh, Brother Hagin, when he traveled, he said that he'd have people come to him all the time and say, Brother Hagin, um, if you know of any big churches that are coming open, you know, let me know. I'd like to pastor them. He says, There's no way, you know, because they want to have a reputation of being a pastor of a big church, right? Uh, and uh, um, uh, he said, There's no way. They, they were not qualified to do it because their goal was to have a reputation. Their goal was not to be a servant to that church, right? Which should be the goal of every pastor and shepherd on the earth is to be a servant to the flock. That's what we're here for. Uh, their, their goal was to have a reputation. And Jesus said uh, that, uh, that you're dead, right? And we, we talked about how that word dead means that you are living a life without power. And, you know, some people are okay with that. As long as they have a reputation, they'd be fine with no power in their life. You know, as long as they look the part, right, and get, get all the accolades of being that. Now, I, I, you know, I, can't, I don't think that way, but some people do, right? They think, you know, they'd, it's more important to them to have the appearance of being somebody that's, you know, whatever uh, versus... Um, uh, a servant, right? Uh, and um, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's just a shame. But that but that mindset gets into the church, and that's where we have to be careful of. We don't have, you know we don't want to have the re- reputation around here. Well, well, that's a wild church. Well, see, if we had the reputation, then we have to feed that reputation. Then we have to make sure that we're always wild, swinging from the chandeliers every time. You know, and I'm, I'm not opposed to swinging from the chandeliers, but I don't want to have that reputation, right? You know, I told you that after my, my pastor, uh, he, he, uh, uh, he died in, in, uh, uh, in April of 2007. But before that, you know, in January of 2007, he was, was no longer able to preach. Uh, he just wasn't physically able to do it. So uh, several of us started filling in for him. You know, we were on a schedule and whatever. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you got the call, then you, you did that service, which is fine. Uh, but what happened, though, in praise and worship is, you know, we'd have a lot of wild services and praise and worship. We'd dance in the Holy Ghost and run around the church and, you know, all that's fine. But see, it got to where when he, after he left, uh, then the, the praise and worship team felt like we had to always dance in the, in the Holy Ghost. And if we didn't dance in the Holy Ghost, then they kind of said, hey, you need to come down and dance in the Holy Ghost. Because they got a reputation, right? They wanted to maintain their reputation that when we sing praise and worship, that we dance in the Holy Ghost. But the problem with that, now you, you have the appearance of something that's not real. Uh, now, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with dancing the Holy Ghost, right? Now, some, people, some churches have gotten to the point where they don't want any dancing in the Holy Ghost. They don't want any move of the Holy Ghost because they don't want that reputation. But it's only a reputation if it's false and you're feeding that reputation. Nothing wrong with dancing the Holy Ghost. Nothing wrong with running around the church. Nothing wrong with being slain in the Spirit. Nothing wrong with any of those things. Uh, but we're, we're not, we don't have a goal to look like that. But we also don't have a goal to not look like that. Amen. We have no reputation. We don't, we don't desire to have a reputation around here. 
We want to we do what the Lord wants us to do. And that's as far as it needs to go. Amen. But see, when, when you, in the ministry, have a desire to have a reputation, oh, well, that's that church, right? We want to be the church, you know, that's young and hip. And so, you know, we don't want... I remember, I remember uh, my pastor said uh, one time, he said, well, we're going to start, you know, uh, focusing on, on the youth. And so we're going to play uh, fast songs. Well, youth don't know how to worship. They don't know how to raise their hand and declare how good God is. I mean, is that a problem? I mean, you know, surely the youth know how to worship God, right? I mean, we were in youth camp. They were worshiping God. You're not doing worship songs. It wasn't all fast songs. Uh, and, uh, you know, to me, that, that's a mistake. Uh, when, we, when we say we're going to have a reputation for being a, a, a ministry to the youth, well, then what about all the people that are not youth? Are, do, are they unworthy to, to have the Spirit of God speak to them? What about the younger people, right? The, the toddlers, are they not worthy for the Lord to lay, to lay hands on them? The Bible says that Jesus blessed the children. Uh, you know, we, we want a reputation to be youth, you know, college-age people. Uh, is, is that more important than the Spirit of God? You know, most college-age people don't tithe and give offerings. And if they did, it's a dollar, you know, and I'm not opposed to giving a dollar, but, you know, you're not going to run a church on, you know, a dollar a week, right? Uh, and all the people have been faithful for decades and, you know, pay for all the things in the church. You know, uh, why do you forsake them? And I'm not saying that they, do, they, they deserve more because they do that. Uh, it's just that everybody has their part. And to focus only on one thing because of your reputation is doing a disservice to people that have been faithful for years, amen? Because the college people will come and go, right? They, they stay for a while while they're in school, but then after that, they go home or go get their jobs. Uh, what about the people that are faithful? See, anytime that we do, we always get out of balance. Anytime we, we select a reputation that we want, that will cause us to be out of balance somewhere. And so Jesus started giving them some instructions. So here's how you're going to have to get out of it. Number one, uh, he said, uh, be watchful. Uh, and so... Uh, in verse 2, he says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Uh, and being watchful is really important. Being uh, vigilant is really important in our Christian life because it's easy for things to get out of balance. It's easy for us to wake up one day, wow, I've been walking in the flesh for, for, for months and didn't even realize it. It's easy if we're not paying attention to what we're doing or what we're saying for us to fall into this trap. Uh, and, he, and he said uh, many things. Let's turn over to First Peter uh, chapter 5 here real quick. Um, there's a couple things here that he said that will be of value, value to us. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, the worst, one of the worst things that you could have is a, is a big church that it has a reputation of being alive but is actually has no power in it. That'd be a, a really sad place to be. And yet, how many churches do you think are in that place today? I'm not pointing fingers. I'm, it's not important for me to point fingers. But I can guarantee you there's a lot of churches right today that have a reputation of being one thing but when you get in there, there's no life. There's no ability for that church to help you overcome. And that's the whole purpose of life is for you to have the power and the ability to overcome. And if you go in that church, well, I've been going to church for 20 years. I'm exactly the same person I was 20, 20 years ago. Well, that's really sad, right? Uh, you need to be able to overcome. Uh, and so Peter, he's writing here. Uh, he said uh, in verse 8, or First Peter chapter 5, he said in verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You know, this is one of the most powerful verses here because it, it gives us some insight into how the devil operates. You know, he's walking about as, you know, he's not a roaring lion, but he likes to have the reputation that he's a roaring lion. Well, if he's faking it, 
where do you think the people in the church of Sardis got the idea to fake it? They're yielding to the devil, aren't they, right? So the devil's faking it. He's got a reputation that he's alive, but he's actually dead. Uh, and so where do you think people that do that in the, in the real world are doing it, getting that from? They're getting it from the devil, right? He's the biggest faker of them all. Uh, but you've got to be aware of him. You've got to watch him because uh, he will try to devour you, right? In any way possible, in your thought life, in your physical life, in your financial life, he will try to devour you. And Peter said, you need to be aware of be watchful. Watch out for him. Watch out for the enemy coming into your life, sneaking up around the fringes of your life uh, and, and getting you well. You know, I used to go to church all the time, but, you know, now, you know, uh, uh, Wednesday nights are really just for the, for the fanatics, right? So I'm not going to go to Wednesday nights because that's for the fanatic people, right? I'm only going to go to church, you know, on this day because that's what the respectable people do. They go Sunday morning, they get their card, chump, uh, card punched, uh, and they have the reputation of being a good godly person, right? Uh, and so, uh, but it's also in your thought life. Be sober, be vigilant. When that thought comes, well, you know, you don't have to serve God. You know, you don't have to serve God too much. You know, I mean, that, that, would, be, that would be unacceptable, right? Uh, well, see that you need to be aware of those things. You need to be watchful over those things. Uh, and that's what Jesus told this church. You need to start being aware. Uh, be watchful over what you're doing and the motivation of why you're doing it. Uh, you, you know, the, the problem with with the natural world is two people can do the exact same thing. Two churches could do the exact same thing. But one could be doing it by the Spirit of God. One could be doing it by flesh. One could be doing it because that's what God told them to do. One could be doing it because they want to have the reputation of that. And so you can't discern why you're doing things or you can't discern that the thing that you're doing is right or wrong unless you know why you're doing it. What's your motivation of doing that? Why are you doing that particular thing, right? Uh, And so if you're doing it, to be seen or you're doing it for some ungodly reason, you need to be aware of that. And, and you should either change your attitude or stop doing the thing. Right? You could change your attitude and repent and start doing the thing with the right motivation. Uh, you need to find out from the Spirit of God what He wants you to do. Because you may say, well, just stop doing that. Just, just stop doing that entirely. Uh, you know, uh, years ago, uh, when Brother Hagen, he, he set up uh, a prayer and healing school. Uh, and so they would pray and, and teach on healing, right? Uh, uh, and so people would come in from all over the country to go to these things, and so some of them would have some problems, and, and they need some counseling. So, hey, you know, can I get some counsel about this thing? I need some, you know, some counsel about this. And, and, and so it went on, and it started growing, and they ended up having counseling sessions, you know, doing a lot of counseling for people around the country. People call them up with problems, you know, they'd counsel them over the phone. And one day the Lord said, what are you doing? Uh, you know, that's always a loaded question, right? The Lord says, what are you doing? You, you know, my answer would be, what's the right answer, Lord? What, what answer are you looking for? Because that's what I'm going to give you. Because I, 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 I don't want to be wrong in this answer, right? And, well, I'm, you know, I'm stopped. I'm doing stop. He said, what's the name of this class? Prayer and Healing School. Well, the Lord said, well, is it called Prayer and Healing School and Counseling? No. It's called Prayer and Healing School. He said, isn't that what I told you to do? Yeah. So why are you counseling? Uh, well, you know, it needs to be done. Well. Maybe, but that's not what I told you to do, right? Uh, and so, uh, so you know, I mean, you think, hey, I get a call, direct call from Brother Hagen. You know, I doubt he was the one to answer the phone, uh, but you can call it Raymond and get uh, you could get counseling. Uh, and so, uh, so they had that reputation, uh, and they weren't being watchful. They weren't being vigilant because the devil loves to get you buried in things that appear to be good, but the Lord never called you to do that. Uh, and so you've got to be watchful. You've got to be vigilant, right? Uh, you know, we could turn our church into a, 
you know, a very respectable church, right? And I don't know what that means, but, uh, you know, we could probably go to class and find out how to do that, right? Uh, and, and make sure we don't uh, speak in tongues, right? And don't talk about tongues at all, right? Don't talk about the Holy Ghost because that makes people uncomfortable. And, and uh, you know, well, we're going to talk about speaking in tongues. In fact, I think we're talking about that on Wednesday nights, right? Speaking in tongues. And we'll speak in, speak in tongues as much as we feel like. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, we could figure out a way to, to not do that. Uh, and then, uh, but we would not be vigilant. Amen. And so Brother Hagin was being vigilant in the ministry that God had called him to. Uh, and the Lord had to, had to correct him. And so he just shut it all down. And the Lord said they need to get their, they need to get their counseling from their pastor, their shepherd. And, it, and really, even in that, uh, you know, if you come to church and just listen to the word, that's 99% of all the counseling you'll ever need. Probably 99.5% or 0.9%. Maybe, like, maybe even 100%, right? I mean, you may never actually need counseling any day of your life if you just listen to the word, right? And, and the spirit of God. Uh, and so, so uh, Peter said, be, be sober, be vigilant, because the devil is always on the prowl. And he always is. And so it does take some effort on our part to be vigilant and be watchful. Not suspicious, right? Uh, Young's translation says, be sober, uh, vigilant, because your opponent, the devil, as a roaring lion, doth walk about seeking whom he may swallow up. Uh, and so we talked about $64 words that one translation says, where it says, be sober, it says, be abstemious, which I'm sure you've used that word several times in your life, right? Abstemious, right? I mean, I, I'm assuming it means be sober because that's where it is, but I've never seen, even seen that word, you know. So uh, I don't know if that guy wanted a reputation of being fancy in his words, you know, right? be abstemious, but uh, uh, in fact, I've never heard, anybody ever heard that word in, in the real world? Yeah, I've never even heard that word, right? Uh, but it's there in case you want to know. Uh, and so, but then he said, strengthen the things which remain. So, you know, that was really, in a, in a sense, it was good news to the church that, you know, you've got some things that, that's still there, you know, it may be a life support, but it's still there. And uh, if you'll strengthen it, it'll come back up to where it's supposed to be, right? You, you ever had a house plant and you think it's dead and you water it and somehow it comes back, right? So there was some life remaining in it. <clears throat> so so they, weren't, uh, they weren't entirely without any power, but, but their priorities had shifted, right? The things they were, that they were supposed to be doing, they weren't doing. Uh, so strengthen the things uh, which remain. Uh, and we're here in First uh, Peter chapter five, still uh, down in verse ten. It says, "But the great, the God of all grace, who hath called us his uh, unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you." So the Lord has the ability to strengthen us by the grace of God. <clears throat> uh, and and Jesus said, "Strengthen the things which remain." Uh, one translation of that of verse ten says, "And then after your brief." Suffering the God of all loving grace who hath called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Uh, yes, he will set you firmly in place and build you up. So the Lord desires to personally and powerfully restore us, but we have to strengthen that which remains. So if the Lord uh, tells us that, hey, uh, the things that you're doing, you need to stop doing those things. Uh, and then strengthen the things that remain. So there's so in, probably in every Christian's life, no matter how far you've gone down the road, there's still some things that remain that you can resurrect. Uh, because uh, one thing, the Lord said he would never leave you nor forsake you. And if you leave him and forsake him, there's still things in you that remain. There's still things in you that you can bring back to life and strengthen uh, and allow them to control your life again. 
And that's, you know, part of that is called uh, renewing your commitment with the Lord, right? Sometimes people are called backsliders. They've left kind of the Lord in their life, but there's still things that remain in them. They're backsliders, but they haven't forsaken Jesus all the way. They may just be out, you know, sowing some wild oats or something. But there's still things that remain in them. And Jesus said, strengthen the things that remain. Get rid of the things that, that, don't, that you need to, don't need to have in your life, but strengthen the things which remain. And, and, uh, and Peter said that the Lord, because of his grace, will personally and powerfully restore you uh, and, and make you stronger than ever. Uh, and, and we're about out of time, but... Um, um, uh, but, but well, actually, I'll just mention these because we've already talked about them before. So he, he repeats some other things uh, about the church here uh, that he's told other churches. So first one he said is to remember. Remember, we talked a lot about that with the Ephesians, right? To remember uh, and remember from whence you came. Uh, and he told the, the church of Sardis to remember. You know, uh, every church, if it's, if it's initially established by the, by the Spirit of God, they will have a vision and a plan that God had given them. And the Lord said, go back and remember what, what I've called you to do. Uh, and for all of us as individual Christians, there are things that you know in your heart that God's called you to do. Uh, and the Lord says, remember those things I've called you to do and strengthen them. Don't, don't forget them, right? People sometimes get so far down their life, it's like, you know, I don't even know what to do. Remember what God's called you to do. And that'll help you to pursue those things, amen? Uh, he told he told them to hold fast. He told the other churches to hold fast. He told, he's telling this church to hold fast, right? And we talked about that. Uh, and we, I'm not going to go back through all the verses, but 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. You know, sometimes you just got to hang on. Uh, and it'll all be better, right? Uh, you got to hang on to these things. Uh, and, he, and he encouraged the church at Sardis to hold on. Hold fast these things, right? Uh, don't let them slip, slip by. If it's, if it's of God, hold fast to that, right? Uh, and, um, and do what the Lord said. And the last thing he said, you know, told him to do is to repent. Uh, and, um, you know, repentance, in fact, he's told several churches, repent. Repentance should be a normal, healthy process in a Christian's life. Uh, and I, and I, now, it should be done less every year you, as you get older because you should be doing things, uh, fewer things wrong every year, Right? Uh, some people sin and repent, sin and repent all the days of their life. Now, that's not what God wants you to do. But if there are things that you need to repent of, and, and this is one of the hardest things, especially if you've got a reputation, to change that reputation, to get rid of the reputation, that, that's called repentance, right? That is a difficult thing for people to do, especially a church. If a church has a reputation and, it's, and it, they're, they're just feeding that reputation by being more and more you know, out of the will of God to feed that reputation, it's really hard for a church to change that. It can be done through repentance, right? Uh, to get on our face, say, Lord, you know, we, we, we've only wanted the appearance of being a way, but not actually that way. Uh, that would require the whole church to change, amen? Uh, and that would require some strong leadership for them to do that. Uh, and, and um, you know, some, some churches have a reputation for being hard. You know, I don't remember one pastor said, you've got to preach, you know, slam down on the podium. You've got to preach hard against sin. Well, that's what the church is known for, preaching hard against sin. Except the problem with that is that's not really the priority that the, church, that the New Testament has for us. The priority of the New Testament is to focus on the Spirit of God. And by doing that, you get rid of sin, which is a better way than just focusing only on sin. Why do we want to focus only on sin? Is that, is that our priority, focus only on sin? And that's not our priority. Our priority is to focus on the Spirit of God, which takes away the sin. Amen.
So he told several of the churches to, to repent. He told this church to repent. Uh, in fact, uh, out of the seven, he told four of them to repent. Uh, and so uh, that must be an important thing for us to do, right? If he told four of the churches out of the seven to repent, then it's probably something we need to remember, right? Some Christians are still of the opinion that we don't need to repent. Well, is this, is this in the New Testament or the Old Testament? Is, is the book of Revelation written to the church or to the, to the Jews only? To the church. In fact, who's he speaking to here? To a church, right? So if he's telling the church to repent, who, who makes up the church? Well, we do, right? He didn't tell the physical building. I mean, how's this building going to repent? Has it ever even done anything wrong? I mean, you know, ever seen a building go to an altar? I need to repent. I'm a building, you know? I mean, that's kind of silly, right? So you know, here's a New Testament uh, verse that uh, the church is supposed to repent. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, it's foolishness, right? When you say... Uh, that you don't have to repent. Uh, it's, great, it's great doctrine uh, if uh, you want to get away with stuff, but it won't help you out in the long run, amen? So he told several churches, including this one, to repent. So sometimes it's necessary to have a cor- to change in your course and direction. And that's by repenting, this church needed to change the course and direction to, to go away from having a reputation, whatever that reputation was, it would, but it wasn't godly, right? And really, you should never have a desire to have a reputation. You should never desire to, well, we want to be the church that's respectable. We want a church that's, you know, cool and hip. Or we want a church that, you know, you wear skinny jeans at. Or we want to be a church that, you know, is known to feed the people or uh, to clothe the naked. Or, you, if, you know, don't ever have a goal to have a reputation of a church. Jesus, the Bible says Jesus made himself of what? No reputation. Amen. If the Lord wants you to feed the people, then feed the people. If the Lord wants you to, to clothe the naked, then clothe the naked. Amen. But don't, that don't have, well, that we're going we're gonna, to you know, institutionalize that, that uh, reputation. Then you'll have to do some repenting later on. Amen. Because tomorrow he may want you to focus on something else. Amen. Uh, he may, you know, uh, uh, what good does it do to feed somebody every week, but you don't teach them how to prosper? You know, teach them how to prosper and then they can feed themselves. Amen. So you may have to feed, feed them for a, a period or a season. But then if you instruct them in the word of God, they won't need to be fed. Then they could feed somebody else. Amen. But if all you do is feed people and you're not teaching them how to prosper, how are you really helping them? I mean, you're not really helping them. I mean, you, you keep them alive, but you're not really advancing their life at all. Amen. So, so we want to make sure we don't have any reputation. We do whatever the Lord tells us to do. And if he wants us to do other things, it's easy to do other things. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, but he, he considered it a strong enough rebuke that he had to document it in the word of God. That, that, that is a, a, uh, an issue that a church will need to be aware of, to be vigilant, to stand against, to make sure that we don't have a reputation, that we're not striving to have a reputation. Amen? Now, people will put a reputation on us. Well, that's a church that does that. But it's not up to me, right? I don't care what people think about that. But as far as we're concerned, we're not going to strive to be, well, we want to be the crazy church. Or we want to be against the crazy Pentecostal stuff and be the, Spirit-filled church that doesn't do crazy stuff, right? Is, is that our goal? No. Is it okay if we do crazy stuff? About me if we do crazy stuff, right? Uh, it, I, have no, I have no limits, amen? If we, want, if we want to have a certain reputation, then well, we, well, we want to be against you know, all these other things. You know? uh, that, that's not my goal, amen? I don't have a goal. My goal is to do what the Lord tells us to do, amen? And so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. And Father, uh, we thank you that uh, uh, we can be vigilant and be watchful, Father, to watch for the signs of us desiring to have a reputation, to have a certain name 
uh, in the earth, Father, in our community. Uh, for, Father, if we pursue a reputation, then we will lose all power. Uh, and we will be dead men walking, Father, and not in a good way. And so, Father, we thank you that we'll, we'll be vigilant to watch for that. Be careful about it, Father. And you will help us by your grace and by your spirit to show us anywhere that we've tried to elevate and establish a reputation, Father, that is not what you desire. So, Father, we thank you for these things. And we give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, we can, we can be aware of that. Amen. We can watch out for these things. Uh, and um, uh, make sure that we don't fall into that trap. Amen. It's really easy for us to fall into those traps. And so I think uh, today is the first Sunday of the month. So I think we're going to have communion here. Uh, and so, uh, Jared, if you'll come ahead and, and uh, Miss Paige, if you come ahead and um, serve the people here. We do this uh, not because it's a requirement or a law. I'll take that from you. We do this to remind ourselves. Amen. Remind ourselves what the Lord has done for us. Thank him for his goodness and kindness. Amen. So he told us to uh, uh, receive bread and juice. He said that this uh, bread represents what? Represents a body which has been done what? Broken for us, right? And we know that he was marred more than any other man. Uh, he took a lot of physical abuse. Uh, I mean, you imagine how much physical abuse that Jesus would have to take that he was unable to carry his own cross. I mean, of all people, Jesus, I'm, I'm carrying my own cross. I mean, you know, he wouldn't, he was not a lazy person, right? Ah, that's too, too heavy. You carry it. That was not Jesus' attitude at all. Uh, he started carrying it, but he was unable to carry his own cross. Uh, and so they had to conscript somebody else to do it, right? Uh, to carry the cross of the Lord Jesus for him. Because his body had been beat so much uh, by his desire, by his will and plan. He, he did that so that we can live a life free from sickness and disease. Uh, and that's a great price, amen? Has that uh, uh, body uh, in the, in the uh, has the things that his body suffered been expired? In other words, were they only good for the first 50 years of the church in the, in the year 50, right? No, uh, those things never expired, right? The pain and suffering that he took didn't come to an end. Uh, and so if it didn't come to an end, then whatever it paid the price for is still in effect today, which would be the healing of our bodies. Amen. So we have a right to to have our bodies to be healed. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for uh, community today. So, Father, we thank you uh, that this bread represents your physical body and that you chose as an act of your will to allow it to be beaten, to be whipped, Father, uh, and, and to be harmed. Uh, so that, Father, we can live a life that our bodies are free, that our bodies can be healed and well and strong. And so, Father, we thank you for that. So we take this bread today, Father, with the faith and the acknowledgement that we are the healed of God. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And, Father, there's nothing more precious than the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, Father, is capable. It's able, Father, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, Father, we thank you that we can stand before you clean, not because of our lack of sin, but, Father, because of the blood of Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you for choosing and allowing your blood to be shed. No more powerful substance, no more valuable substance in all the universe, Father, 
than the precious blood of Jesus who paid for all of our sins. So, Father, we can stand before you clean, not because of our reputation, but because of the work that you did. And so, Father, we do thank you that we are clean by your blood in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And um, uh, has the Lord been good to us to provide us uh, income in our lives, to buy the toys that we like to buy and the food that we like to eat and the clothes we like to wear? He has been. Amen. Uh, and so uh, we thank God for that. And we thank God that he blesses us and increases us uh, each and every day and each year of our lives. And uh, he's been faithful uh, in that. Amen. And so it's really a small thing for us to give unto the Lord um, for being a blessing to us. Amen. And, you know, one of the things that uh, Chris and I have always strived to do in our lives is to always live below our means. In other words, don't spend every penny that we have. Uh, if, we, if we live below that, then that's always given us the flexibility that when the Lord tells us to do something extra for him, we've always been able to do that. Uh, and it's not that the Lord will always do that. You know, he's not going to take every penny that you own. Uh, but uh, we just want to make sure that we have the ability, uh, if, if uh, the Lord needs help, then we're always going to be able to do that, amen? Uh, and it's always worked out well for us to do that because you, you don't know, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We know the Lord will always take care of us. But a lot of people get into financial difficulties by planning that everything that they have today is, it will be exactly the same tomorrow. Uh, and so if there's any hiccup, any glitch, you know that it's really hard for them to overcome sometimes. And so... It's wisdom to live below your means so that if things change, you know, I mean, we do trust the Lord. He always protects us. But, you know, wisdom is also part of the Lord's protection. Amen. Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared. And we thank you all for your, your, for your faithful giving. Amen. And so don't forget uh, today uh, we have uh, healing school uh, and that'll be at three o'clock. And we're just about to finish up Brother Bosworth's book, I think, you know. Uh, and so um, we'll be picking up another book after that, and I'm um, looking forward to that as well. Uh, and, um, uh, of course, this Friday then is uh, prayer, and uh, next Sunday uh, is uh, our church meal, right? Is there a theme for the church meal? Just do, just do uh, you know, uh, what's, what, what else do we call it besides potluck? Covered dish, covered dish right? Uh, so that means you're covered. Don't have any open dishes at all, right? Make sure it's covered, you know. Uh, you know. Uh, and so um, yeah, there's a sign-up sheet back there. Okay, yeah, all right. There will be a sign-up sheet back there. So, all right. I'm not trying to put anybody in pressure. So you can bring whatever you want to bring. I don't really care, you know. But uh, if we have a theme, what's that? Yeah, we always eat it, right? So we have plenty of food. So, all right, praise God. We'll be blessed. Have a wonderful week in Lord, and you're dismissed.